0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8:30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at Roundrockchurch.s. May God bless you as you seek him and may he use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good
1: morning. Good morning. The reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. and money, this is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. You didn't have a seat. Thank you for reading this morning, Gigi. I want to that's our grandma name, okay? Don't judge. I want to tell you a story about cups and basins and pillows. And toothpaste tubes, and strings, and shirts, and buttons, and wrappers, and ballpoint pens, and mattresses, and bottle caps, and bags, more strings, neckties, rice bowls, handbags, paper clips, a jump rope, dolls, stuffed animals, lighters, biscuit tins, shoes, bed sheets, pitchers, record players, paint brushes, soap, more strings, empty water bottles, and... A couple of more items. This is not simply a list of things, but this is a list of 10,000 things that one mother by the name of Zha was able to fit in her 200 square foot home in Beijing. Now, if you have ever said to your parents before, or people who raised you, like, Mom, Dad, like, Do we have to keep this thing? There is a son out there by the name of Sung who knows that feeling exactly. He's actually an artist, and one of the ways that he got his mom to start getting rid of all the items that I just listed is he created a piece of artwork out of her home, which he ironically calls Waste Not. Okay, this is a picture of what this art exhibit looks like and maybe you've heard of it before. She was able to fit 10,000 items all into this small home and it's so efficient that as the art display moves around the globe, they take all the items and they put it inside the house and they transport it. On the outside, one may look at this story and think oh my goodness this is a story of hoarding but actually if you get close to the story it's not a story of hoarding it's actually a story of surviving because here's the thing sung's mother didn't always live this way as a matter of fact she grew up in a very wealthy household until her family experienced the financial impact that anyone in China would have experienced in 1945. And then her house didn't get full until as well when her house was empty of the one person that she loved the most. After the passing of her husband, she changed her relationship with her stuff changed. And Sung, who actually designs this art piece, he actually reflected at one point and he said this, he said, my mother's need to fill space with daily life objects resulted from a need to fill the emptiness after my father's death. I don't know how this hits you when you hear this quote, but when I heard this quote for the first time, I thought, wow, Don't we all do this in one way or another? Like, isn't it revealing what kind of stuff you are working out in your life based off of what stuff you buy or consume or take in? In essence, it's like our external stuff reveals the internal stuff that we are working through in our lives. And waste not is a really good example of how whatever you are working through generationally will influence your relationship with yourself. I remember when I was growing up, one of the best educational opportunities in front of me was not sitting in a classroom in front of a teacher, but it was getting shipped off to be with my grandparents for a month. Like if I spent a summer with my grandmother, who she grew up in the silent generation, right? Like 1928, like time frame riot, the great depression, my grandmother never met a clothes hanger that she didn't keep. Okay. She loved her clothes hangers. She had more clothes hangers than she ever could have needed in her life. And I, as a millennial, right? Like growing up in her household could not fathom an age where you could not get two day shipping. Okay. That just didn't seem of the Lord. When you put two generations together, you get to see each of them and how they're formed and their relationship to stuff. And no matter what generation you find yourself coming from today, here's what Jesus has to offer you. Jesus wants to take the way that you have been formed, the way that you grew up, the condition you lived around, the things you're still living through. Jesus wants to take the way you're formed, and he wants to transform you. And he wants to transform you by, in the words of scriptures, conforming you to his image, his reality. Now, the difficulty of Jesus inviting us into this is that uh, Jesus is not a one size fit all. And we try to make Jesus a one-size-fit-all, but it just doesn't work, right? Like, it would be very helpful if Jesus would have just placed within this book, I just need to know how many pairs of shoes are too many pairs of shoes, okay? I just need to know how much house is too much house, okay? Jesus doesn't provide you the fact of what's a responsible temperature to set your thermostat at night, okay? By the way, it's 68 degrees, OK, that's not the word of the Lord. That's the word from the witcher household. OK, it's nice and cool, but you can still sleep there. Jesus does not give us the details of how we are supposed to go about our stuff. And at first, that could be frustrating, but is actually one of the most freeing things that comes with it. Why? Because the good news is this church. Jesus is not seeking a bunch of rule followers. He is seeking followers that want relationship with him. One of the good news of who Jesus is, is he is not a dead teacher, but a risen Lord. One that you can have personal intimacy with. And this is important because all of us are different in the room with our relationship with stuff. Like, I don't know how many times every single year we get to a conference. That, like, I can talk to older family members. In our household, every time they'll talk to me and my wife and be like, Let let me get this straight. You spend money on supplements? Like, you, you spend money on that? You know, and we sit across from the couch and we're like, You spent how much on this couch? Every one of us can have a relationship with Jesus where you get to experience intimacy and wrestling. With your own stuff in your own way it's not a one size fits all and when jesus comes to us and gives us this invitation he wants us to start with what we treasure our insecurities our loyalties our wounds what we value and he wants to transform them if you didn't get a chance to turn to the passage today i want to encourage you to turn to it it's in matthew chapter six and in verse 19 let me let me read what georgine read don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that's the place where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal here's another way jesus is saying this invitation Don't treasure what is on the outside more than the things that can be happening on the inside. Another way, don't treasure the visible at such a level that you miss the invisible work of God happening in your life. Jesus is not the IRS. He is not tracking every single thing that you do, waiting for a response to be able to pull all of your stuff in. What Jesus is wanting from us is he is wanting us to simplify our external world so we can simply see what God is doing in your life. When I first started this series, I brought up this quote and I felt like it was just good to say it again today. This is from a spiritual director who said, when we intentionally arrange our inner world on God, we first have to simplify our outer world. Jesus wants us to get the things that can be distracting out of the way, given away, so we can see the inner things of life. Now, if you are a doer, okay? You're like, okay, I, yep, yep, that's great. You can talk about these, like, these concepts. These, I, I wanna know like, What's this get down to? Brass tacks. Like, give it to me. All right. Today's sermon is for you. All right. I'm just going to go really practical on this sermon on this end of what does it look like to take Jesus up on this invitation? In verse 22, Jesus says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great really is that darkness? Jesus says, if you want to get really practical, look at the connection between your heart and your eyes. So like back in Jesus day like they would actually say that light actually comes out from your eyes not just taken in by your eyes this is like culturally what would be seen there just kind of think of like headlamps on a car wherever you look light is projected light is shed on that and Jesus says if you have healthy eyesight if you have a healthy connection between how your heart feels and what your art, your eyes are seeing that is where you start to catch the invitation of Jesus. And to do that, you have to train your eyes. The connection between the heart and the eyes is not just something that is organic and natural. It has to be trained. Now, when we started this series called Simple, we released a challenge with it. This was a challenge to test your eyes, okay? We were going to say from the beginning of the series all the way to Easter, we are asking you to give away 36 items in 36 days. Okay, now you don't have 36 days anymore, okay? The, the clock has ticked on this. But we're saying 36 items, 36 days. This is a practice of what can your eyes see? Just taking inventory in your home and say, what can I give away? Because when you start to give things away, you not only wrestle externally, but you start to wrestle Internally. And one of the things that we've had eyes on as a group is we have had eyes on an event that we call Sharefest. And Danielle kind of talked about it in the beginning, and I also want to highlight it today as well. That we want to make sure that we are a church, that when we open our doors, we clear out these seats and we give things away to the community, we all are pitching in and giving things away. Now, as we're having eyes on this event, I'm going to go ahead and just put the QR code up here because I think one of our instincts when it comes to uh, ShareFest and stuff that we do annually, we just kind of think like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to show up to it. Like, I'm going to do it. I'll be there. If you have not signed up yet, it would be uber helpful if you would just scan the QR code and all you need to do is punch in and just say, hey, I'll be there. I'm going to do it, okay? Because we need to know volunteers. And the reason I'm taking time to say this is because we haven't done ShareFest in three years, okay? And it's coming, all right? People people are going to come, all right? And we better be ready as a church. We need people all on board. And if I can say something just really direct, the one thing we are slightly nervous about for this upcoming week is we are nervous that on Friday... We do not have enough people that are willing to drive trucks and help pick up items. We have a lot of people that are saying, hey, we're willing to to donate, we're willing to give to this, but we are nervous that we don't have enough volunteers to set everything up on Friday. So if you have any ability or flexibility or just availability after work on Friday, we need you. Please. (laughs) Please. we need you okay so that is what we have had our eyes on over the past couple weeks this is a really good opportunity if you're a family this is a really easy way to serve as a family together everyone can have a role and we need everyone to bring things bring things that you don't use and like danielle said bring things that you do use Because we want to make sure when people show up, they know that there is a given God out there. And we want to reflect that. So let me get to the practical. All right. How I'm going to finish this sermon today is I'm going to give you five questions. Okay. I had a lot of caffeine this week. Usually preachers give you three. I'm going to give you five today. All right. I'm going to give you five questions that as you walk about your house this week, I want you to think about these questions when it comes to your stuff, when it comes to your things. Okay. I'm not bluffing. Like this isn't metaphorical. I'm literally talking about the items in your home that you walk around and do. All right. Five questions for your things. All right. Here's number one. How many of these items do I really need? Here's the thing about giving. As soon as we talk about giving things away, all of a sudden, everyone becomes a philosopher, right? Like we all start thinking like, oh, you know, well, what does it truly mean to give? And uh, But stop that. Like giving is giving. And usually we go, you know, I can't give away my car. I can't give away my house. We always start with what's big. What if we just started with something that was really small? What if we started with what you have duplicates of? Do you really need a TV in every room? Do you really need two kitchen Aid mixers instead of one? When we have more stuff, usually there comes more stress. You have to keep up with more things. Now, let me make a small note, okay? I'm gonna speak to the tankers in the room, all right? You're the type of people you like to tanker, okay? If I say more stuff equals more stress, you go, mm-mm. Mm-mm, 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 you do not know me i love managing my stuff i love doing it okay here's my word to you to the tinkers out there all right don't quote me on this glad the sermon's not recorded if you love to tinker and you don't find more stuff more stressful i completely get that but here's the one thing more stuff does equal more distraction if you find yourself wrestling in life of do i have enough time to pray Do I have enough time to read a story to my kids at night? Do I have enough time to be able to give or serve? This is the question you must wrestle with is how many of these things do we really need? So one question would just be if you have duplicates of something this week, what if you gave one of those duplicates away? All right. Question number two. That was too long for the first one. All right. How much? Will I really miss this item? That is the same question. All right, so my brother-in-law has this story that I love, okay? I, he loves it. Uh, a couple years ago, his uh, wife came home, and she was gifted these delicate chocolates. I mean, just like high, fine, in chocolate. And it was three candy bars. And she put them in the bottom of the fridge, and she said, you can have two of these candy bars. The third one is mine, Okay. So what does he do as any great husband the next day he wakes up he eats both of those candy bars and he says they are delicious. And then for not just one year but two years every morning he opens the fridge and stares at that last candy bar every every single morning just opens and still there still there still there still there and finally, in a moment of weakness after two years, he eats that candy bar. And it was like a sensor went off. She came home, she opened the fridge, and she goes, You ate my candy bar. You promised me you wouldn't eat that candy bar. And he goes, When were you going to eat it? 2028? I wanted that candy bar. You were going to eat that candy bar. And what she said, lean in. What she said, was she said, I wasn't going to eat it, but I wanted the comfort of knowing it was there. Some of you have candy bars in the fridge right now. You have an item in your household that you have no plans to use, but you just like it being present there. And if you struggle to identify what is that item that you won't miss a ton. Here's the phrase, if you've said it to your spouse, your friends, or your family, if you've said to an item in your home, yeah, yeah, but one day I will use it. There needs to be some wrestling there, okay? How much will I really miss this item? Maybe that's something you need to simplify. Question number three how many people really need this item have you ever noticed that normal is relative like the word nor what you and i assume that we need or is a budget line expense or something that we have in our house is so normal right like you go to someone that has a different style of living and you walk around and you're like, oh my goodness, we do not live like this. Or you like go somewhere where it's less and you're like, oh, I feel a little insecure. Like hide the brand on my shirt. Like I feel uncomfortable with this. Normal is relative. I'm reminded of when I went to college in West Texas. All right. I'm going to say something that's going to hurt some of you. Okay. All right. I don't like cowboy boots. There. I said it. I just said it. okay? I know that's a crime in this church, but we need to get it out early. I don't like cowboy boots. But you better believe when I went to school in West Texas, when I came back, you know what I was wanting to buy? Some nice red cowboy boots, right? What we swim in is our I still have those boots, by the way. Okay, I'm still repenting. All right. I understand that what we see around ourselves, we start to assume is normal. And one of the questions is just asking ourselves in reality, how many people really need this item in their life? Because what we assume is normal isn't always really normal. Stats would say that 72% of us in the room stress about money. And I want to be cautious what we stress over financially. Some of those obstacles are so real and I do not want to downplay that whatsoever. But also, all of us in the room have to wrestle with, and I just, I hate even saying this, but like, all of us have to wrestle the average income that most people work their lives off globally is $13,000. And we have to wrestle with what we consider as our norm and what other people consider as a norm. Question number four, how much does it really Costs. Like what if you were to look around your house and just ask how much does this thing really cost? Not just sticker price, but I'm just talking about like how much time does it take? I have a family member that used to always say he was a boat owner and he would say the best two days of being a boat owner is the day you buy. Some of you are shaking your head. The best day of a boat owner is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Because everything in the middle of owning a boat is just miserable. You love it, you gotta clean it, you gotta take time for it, you gotta insure it, you gotta get a license for it. We need to ask, I know most of us don't have boats in here, most of us need to ask, how much time does this take? What is truly the sticker price of some of the things that we own? And do we need to ask ourselves, If we gave this away, could it help other relationships in my life? Could it free up more expenses or could it change things for others around me? And then question number five, because I know we're all tired of these questions. How do I struggle to give this item away? Whatever we have a knee jerk reaction to usually means there's an invitation of Jesus to wrestle. With what it means to give something away Dallas Willard would say defining a treasure as anything that you spend at all costs protecting securing collecting or keeping if we're highly resistant we need to ask Jesus if there's an invitation there. So I only felt like this was appropriate as an example Um, I did not want to do this series. Uh, to be quite frank, I was not excited about it, mostly because I knew if I was going to get up here and start preaching about it, I would have to wrestle with it before I dare even stood up to talk to y'all about it. And I knew going into this series, here's my example for it. I knew going in, there was a budget line item that we had to get rid of. Like I couldn't get up here until, until I got rid of this item. And here's the thing. It was a subscription, okay? It was a subscription. And I'm not talking like a Disney Plus, like $4.99. You know what I'm talking about, Rob? Not one of those. Like, it was a hefty subscription per month. And I needed to let it go. And every time I got close to letting it go, I mystically found I needed to go oil the cabinets, I needed to go change the toilet paper, and I needed to go bird watching. Why? Because I didn't want to give it away. And when I sat with it and I asked myself, why am I having a hard time letting this subscription go? I found something deeper underneath. It's not just giving away a subscription. It was giving away a dream that I had for myself. An image that I had for myself. And sometimes, church, what we hold on to really has deeper, invisible connections underneath it. And part of following Jesus is just asking, what is underneath that? And for some of us, when we give something up of wanting to be the person that we want to be or the dreams that we have with it, when we give that item up, yes, it's hard, but we can also appreciate who Jesus is making us to be. If we do not examine how we look at our stuff, we may spend our lives letting our lives serve our stuff. This is how Jesus would say it this No one can serve two masters. Either they will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think the thing that rattles me to the bones that makes me shake in my discipleship is this word cannot. It's not shouldn't. It's not you really shouldn't. It's you can't. It's either one or it's the other. In wrestling, in these really small steps of giving things away, of simplifying our life, is how we find the invitation of Jesus. In the words of the psalmist in 145, he says this, that God, you open your hands and you satisfy The desires of every living thing. God has opened God's hands to all of us. Right? Like the very breath that you just took was God opening God's hand. The way that the world is so beautiful. The way that we recovered just days after a tornado hitting. Those are the ways that God is opening God's hand. The amount of sunlight that just beamed yesterday. I know because my face feels like Bob the tomato today. Okay. The amount of sunlight that we got was evidence of that. The work of God in Jesus Christ is God opening his hand to you. Notice the psalmist does not say he gives you everything you want. He will satisfy the deepest Desires, Church, the invitation is this. You don't have to give things away to satisfy God. When you give things away, you actually get to sense and feel and see the evidence of how God will satisfy the deepest desires in your heart. And I think the challenge for some of us today is to give at a cost to where the Lord can actually show us that He will satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. The evidence of God's giving is there. The question we now have to answer, especially with ShareFest coming this week, is is there evidence in your life that you're trusting that God will satisfy your desires? Christian and Janice, I'm going to ask you all to come up. I'm going to pray for us before they come up and bless us today. Uh, so God, we, uh, we come to you and we are just asking can you just help us see the next invitation of slowly giving our life away god we want to prepare for the good news of easter may we join your people in clearing and simplifying our lives so we can be ready to receive the simple news that you came that you showed us the best way of life that you died in an unjust and horrible way and that you rose and you did not turn away from us, but you turned towards us. Jesus, we thank you for that and Holy Spirit, may you convict us off of that news. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen.